0: Not more to serve Bhagawatu or a Hatu, Sama, Sambuddhasa. Not more Bhagavatu serve Bhagawatu or a Not more Sangangamasami. entering the sacred and as the Buddha his first comments when he came back to teach the, the Dhamma teaching to his five former colleagues was um, doors of deathless are open Let those who can hearken who can listen who can attend carefully let them bring forth their faith Mm. so in a way this is where perhaps in less grand terms where we all come in we have a certain degree of faith willingness openness some feeling of you know this is worth doing you know So it's not exactly belief, but it's it's, uh, uh, something lights up um, when we recognize or we begin to sense something about the way we're living and we want to move into or find a different gear, a different place to review it from than just the ongoing event stream of doing this and doing that and being happy and being sad and so forth
1: you know, just
0: kind of getting along so now there's another realm another dimension another way of holding this another way of being present you know, so this is what we call the spiritual um, quest or search or inquiry Is what's that you know and it's something, of course, people have been pretty much part of human experience for millennia, mm-hmm. sacred, and uh, people realize something, mm-hmm. that something is actually experienced. So uh, there's a faith that that can be experienced, there's also a sense of it has been experienced by others, you yeah. know. And we begin to, we, what gives us that impression. We acknowledge people who are more peaceful, more clear, less, less caught up, less reactive. Um, also who can ref, refer to um, you know, ways of looking at our lives that suddenly take the stress out of them, make, make sense. There's a very pragmatic um, result to realization. There's realization, and realized being can also understand this world in a way that makes it it make sense. It no longer catches us. We know how to do good. We know what's right. We know how to live justly and impeccably and with compassion. So it makes sense about this realm, in this realm, and it has its own dimension, which is... uh, not easy to define in terms of this particular realm. The entrance to that is, is faith. Mm. When one remembers such a thing as possible. One senses it as possible. One feels it should be possible and you realize others, other beings have sensed that. You know, you've got something that tells you that. And you look at very practical um, results because anybody can talk about mystical experiences. What you really look at is, um, you know, it's a person living morally. Are they living righteously? Are they living with kindness and compassion? Are they themselves caught up with aversion or uh, greed or confusion or not? So when you start to see someone who's not acting in that way, or hear of people who are not acting in that way, then something lights up. That's what it's about. It's about the ending of greed, hatred and delusion, you can tell what's not there you know, it's easy to define what's gone <laughs> easier than to define what's present, and that's the Buddhist approach really it's rather than you know, talk about deathless in, in a lot of terms it's saying it's the absence of these other qualities and that gives one faith, because it's very practical and very much discernible When you sense it in yourself, where does the hunger, resistance, uh, confusion, restlessness, where do those pass away, where do they end, or what leads to their ending, then you know you're on the right track and you get faith in yourself and in in what you're doing. So faith is an important thing, it's both a realization of the possible, and a realization something has been realized. You know, so it gives you the conviction to continue doing what you're doing. And it's the faith is, um, what's called one of the five indriya. Indriya mean something like leaders. And these uh, five, so there's faith, sadha, virya, energy or persistent effort, a kind of an energized, zest for you know, do it kind of, um, you know, the ability to sustain. Sati, mindfulness, the ability to bear something in mind and stay with it and, you know, really contemplate the results of what one's doing. Saddha, uh, sati, samadhi, collectedness or concentration. State of unification of mind where all the energies of body and mind have, have, have merged. Yeah. So there's no loose ends, there's no um, distractedness. It's, it's, the, it's the kind of harmony and unification of all of the energies that are present in us and body energy, energy of thought, energy of the heart, so they become unified. And there's a state of calm and, and, and uh, consolidation. And Panya, which means wisdom or discernment. And these are the five. And it's said that these five um, merge in the deathless. So, where all this stuff blends together, this is they merge, they unite in the deathless. That's one of those kind of little. Um, Sayings that come out of the scriptures. So, where do where does all these come together, and what are they? So, you, though the deathless is difficult to describe, you can say that one way of looking at it is where these five that merge come together. Sometimes it's uh, the way that this particular teaching is given is to is to sense how that there are there's a couple of paired opposites. Faith is paired with discernment or banya. So we're the two of those, you know, they, they where they come together. Um, so the difference with faith, although it's essential there's a, a feeling of uh, has to be measured out with discernment. Discernment is very specific. Faith tends to be um, a kind of uh, a quality of heart, an uplift, a, a willingness, a kind of issuing forth, a devotion, you might say. Um, and discernment is much more moment of time specific. It's a kind of quality of mind, you might say, when you actually you can see the differences between this and that so without uh, without discernment faith gets becomes blind, so you get kind of blind devotion you know, where there 's no discrimination no discernment, and so then in this way it's, it becomes unbalanced, and you get uh, a kind of faith becomes something that um, People, you know, can just get high on you know, like devotional cults, devotional systems, where actually, um, you know, the, the, the main theme of it is that you just get sort of an uplift experience over um, you know things that arouse faith, images, um, ideas, um, and all the kind of stuff that can go along with that. So you have to balance it out with discernment. Discernment is very much um, moment in time practical. Yeah. So it becomes particularly important with uh, discernment is, is a meditation is a practice that relies a lot on discernment. Uh, it's how you Bring your attention onto your body, onto how you're feeling right now, onto the what's arising,
1: because
0: yeah. it's not all you don't. It's not all the same thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so that sometimes you've got to be um, to step back. Sometimes you um, review. Sometimes you. Move in, and depending on whether it's a thought or a mood or an emotion, then exactly how you, how you meet that. An example is a given. For example when you get there, uh, people often find that the beginning to learn this is around things like the thinking mind your mind is thinking a lot and you don't want it to be thinking you want to quieten down how do you meet the thinking mind? Mm-hmm. as if you <clears throat> you're it's kind of like trying to flick something off you're trying to make it shut up it's like you've got a toffee like a kind of wrapper of a candy or something stuck on your finger and you're trying to flick it off it won't go away So you brush it with the other hand, it sticks to the other hand. And the more you flap around, the more stuck it gets. And uh, you know, when you're thinking about something and you try to stop thinking about it. So you won't think about that particular proof, but as soon as you've thought about, stop thinking about that, you've you've thought about it again. I mustn't think about elephants. That's interesting. Elephants So stop thinking about elephants. So you, what kind of elephant should I stop thinking about? <laughs> you actually brought brought the creature in. And uh, so you you know, you see actually the find the most useful way to do a discernment, you can sense how do you get past how do you it helps you to get past thought? Because instead of me, like, looking at the topic, so particularly if it's an, it's an unpleasant thought, like thought of malice towards somebody else, you know, aversion, or worry, a particular problem you haven't worried about. And you try to figure out the answer to it. Or if it's a thought of malice, and you try to kind of get rid of it because you don't want it. Um, actually... To meet thinking is mostly a matter of really, first of all, deciding whether it's useful to think it or not. So just bringing to mind, is, it, is this useful to think about? Because, it, because if, it's, you know, if, if it's useful to think about, it means it should, it should arrive at a solution. Like, where did I put my car keys? Okay, that's finished. What am I going to do with my life? it's going to be a little more difficult. <laughs> so is it actually a useful thought or not? Because if it is a useful thought, it should, have a fi- it should have a finite period of time. It should actually come to a conclusion. If it's not useful, then why are you still thinking it? You know, It's got stuck. So you begin to see which thoughts are actually worth thinking and which aren't worth thinking. Uh, and if, they're not, if they're not worth thinking, then how do you how do you get past that? And it's really like referring to the emotion behind the thought whether it's worry or aversion or craving. So you just go to the sense of the, the basic emotional or impulse that's moving that thought along. So now you've started to actually drop the Drop the specifics of the topic and just go to that that energy, and then you meet the energy of that. You know, you can actually contemplate the clawing of of craving, and then you you, you see it in a much more um, simple way, and then the, the then or the um, re, re, resistance of aversion. And then it's a matter of just actually relaxing it. So you go past the topic of the thought to the energy of it, and then when you meditate, you can you learn how to steady your energy through breathing in, breathing out, to widen your focus, widen it across your body, and you can, just by widening your focus and focusing on the change of energy, right, you can... You can um, Clear that particular energy pattern. Have you ever tried this? Yeah. See how most thinking just just builds up the charge, of it, can, it tightens up. Yeah, and you come up into your head. Why we do a lot of body meditation, why we do breathing meditation, is to to be able to. Um, Take charge of the energy resource that thinking and, and emotions feed upon. So if you deliberately quieten the energy down, then it does, it's not available. You know? So if you, bring it, if you bring your energy back into your body, soften it, relax it, relax your palms of your hands, let your breath drop, quieten your breathing down low it down, refine it, you'll find that the thinking stops by itself. It can't get going. So you can, use, this is, so you can meet it like that. That's, a, that's a, a discernment required for that. Sometimes you can, you can consider, you can meet thinking with um, what's called patikula, which means thinking in the opposite way. So for example, when you, um, you know, if you have aversion towards uh, a person or an animal, something like a living creature, then you might um, consider that creature's instead of its its uh, its um, fearful or disgusting or unpleasant characteristics, you consider deliberately bring to mind characteristics you find that bring up a quality of kindness or compassion. you know. So, you know, generally, we, most of we get upset by people. Um, and, I mean, most interestingly, you get upset by people you don't hardly know, like public figures, because you only see them doing their weird thing. You know, like certain politicians, for example. Because you only ever see this guy doing his weird crazy. You never see him asleep when he's probably quite pleasant. Or having a bath or you know or feeding a dog or something like that, so you don't seem like they only see him are pontificating saying stupid statements or ruining the world, which is <laughs> <laughs> But apart from that he's a really nice guy. <laughs> and, you know, so so we start to see you know you kind of actually consider people you dislike, you know, you have difficult times with. You actually only have difficult times with certain behaviours. They go through like you have a boss or something and you find that you're always in this situation, this person is telling you what to do and they're demanding. That's what bosses are about (laughs) or can be about. It's not the person you dislike, it's just the behaviour. But because you only ever see that behaviour... You think the behavior is the person, so then you need to consider what's this person like when they're sick or when they're happy or when they're meeting a loved one or when they're having when they're sleeping
1: yeah. oh yeah,
0: and you can actually keep that image in mind and you change the behaviors around to behaviors that are almost certainly this personal. Well, certainly goes through, and you can actually see the person separate from those behaviours that irritate you. It just gives you some perspective on it. Like that. So that's where you can you can you know you can look you can meet um, particular forms of aversion just by wise reflection. Because if it's an if it's an inanimate thing something that's uh
1: you know um, like um
0: you know ugly piece of architecture or hideous hideous um furnishings
1: yeah. you know,
0: that really uh, annoy you then you try to consider them more as as just um elements just Stuff, you know? and it's amazing how these things can really get to us. You, know, you go to a place and the first thing you notice is they've got kind of tangerine curtains or something like that. It uh, was that famous, famous last words of Oscar Wilde when he was lying on his deathbed and he looked at the curtains and he said, "Either the curtains or I have to go." <laughs> <laughs> He just checked out. (laughs) Kept his wits about him. (laughs) Then you look at things like, uh, you know, revolting things, uh, like excrement or vomit or something like that, just this pure elemental matter,
1: you know, or
0: colors, is just color, you know forms are just forms mm. and then if you've got the opposite problem that is you you've kind of obsession or uh, craving for things like uh, jewellery or, or gadgets or cars or clothes and things like that, inanimate stuff then you consider what's going to look like when it's broken or when it's 15 years old you know mm. when this this fashion that's really amazing this year three years time like who wears that rubbish anymore you know <laughs> you know it's interesting when you look at cars particularly you know, and the, the new the really new ones that are amazing then about three years old they look oh tired and then ten years old they look classic <laughs> Uh, you know, so they go, you know, the, the actual perception of them changes.
1: Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And then if it's, uh, um, you know, uh, other people you feel obsessed with, impassioned with, and you'd kind of look at the lead, less attractive or what it is that attracts. could be a detail, the eyes or the skin or the hair, could be the whole thing,
1: yeah.
0: And you could see actually you just, the mind just picking up one particular perception and focusing in on that. You know, you don't normally notice the kind of toenails or the ear holes or the nostrils or you know, gums or something like that. Not <laughs> oh, these are particularly unplugged, just they're just nothing really. Um you know, you don't have people kind of singing, carousing, carousing, and crooning over somebody's gums, teeth maybe, but not the gums, or the tongue, or the you know, let alone what happens if you you, you know look actually take measuring the skin removed, or what the skin's like when it's uh, crinkled, and uh, you know it's a it's a big thing because. Uh, See that you know what is often presented um in magazines and photographs doesn't actually exist. you know it's a sort of one in a hundred thousand person. They take the image in under a particular light then they touch it up colour it the person is, doesn't it actually exist <laughs> It's purely you know. And you can see the kind of uh, the immense pain that's caused by these images. You know, craving and then people trying to get to look like that and feeling inadequate if you're not like that. So it's really um, you know, important to, to be able to kind of become, get free of that. So you can you know, feel value in other people that's not just about uh, skin, you know, hair things that are so, so transitory so you start to contemplate these things, what they really are mm, elements protoplasm cells mm. and you can see the kind of um, glitter that gets put over everything for what it is You know, it's coming through airports. When you go through airports, you see uh, you have to walk through these immense uh, shopping malls. You just have to walk through them to get to the to the departure lounge. And I haven't got any money anyway, so there's nothing I can buy. And, you know, the chance of getting a bottle of Johnny Walker or... <laughs>
1: All right.
0: You know, kind of a Rolex watch or <laughs> Chanel number five. Even when I did have money, they weren't, you know. And yet it's amazing how just the, the very kind of presentation of these things, which I've got no possibility, no interest in actually acquiring, somehow they present comfort, satisfaction, mystique. <laughs> It's, it's, it's brilliant in a way, you know, how how things like a like a bottle of liquid can look the most magnetic and desirable object in the world. You see this fairy dust, this kind of glitter and sheen that you can put over everything. So just to see something in its elemental nature, rather than just the The immediate dazzle, that takes banya to discern and mindfulness to actually bear it in mind and effort to to keep sustaining that. But the result is, it's not particularly these objects that that you're concerned with because the objects themselves don't do it. They're completely harmless. It's the perceptions of the mind. It's what the mind brings up. You know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with sights, sounds, touches, odors, so forth. They're completely harmless. You know, we don't have to be on guard against them. But what the mind is evoked, what is evoked of the mind. So when we practice these things, we're not actually trying to see people as 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 loathsome, you know, or things as you know, one way or another, we're just actually working with the this mystique that the mind creates around things, so that when it doesn't do that, there's a lovely sense of, of openness and clarity. You know, so when something ceases, when the dream ceases, the real presents itself. sense of clarity a sense of freedom mm-hmm. the mind feels clear and that's what we're we're doing with these kind of practices of discernment learning how to meet the glittering and the troubling and the agitating and the button pushing the infuriating Learning to meet, we we actually want to meet it in order to um, discharge our fear, our aversion, our passion, our delusion. And you can see things as they are. So there's a really interesting in that the value of faith and discernment and discernment together is the faith is the encouragement that it is possible in this realm this realm of human beings, this realm of forms, this realm of birth and death this realm of feelings and sensations, it's possible It's it's this realm that we can do it in you don't have to be away from all this possible for human beings with ordinary you know with the standard set of feelings and passions and joys and sorrows and it's possible it's arrived at through discernment yeah. through seeing as, the, as it's sometimes said in the world through seeing the world as it actually is mm-hmm. learning how to meet it Not buy it, not just glance at it, but ready to meet it. That to me gives me a, a sense of great faith and uh, interest. I remain interested in my delusions, which is good because I've got quite a few, <laughs> You know as how how am I getting caught by this you know, how am I getting worried or agitated about this how is this what's what button is it pushing in me the uh you, know. you start to see a lot of uh what one does is is marked with expectation, hope, and fear, you know, feeling of something that the result one should achieve, and the fear of not achieving it, and that can go through most anything, and being valuing oneself around those, you know, around the sense of. Uh, failure, or success or failure. Mm-hmm. So uh, s- Contemplate that. What do you expect? What do you think the pass mark is? What do you think it would be like to be a, a, a successful person? Mm-hmm. What does it mean? And you start to look at the kind of um, criteria that one's mind creates. That you can never achieve. And then the things that we feel are something wrong with us.
1: Like, you know,
0: if you have some particular foible or flaw that nobody else has, everybody has it. <laughs> Everybody gets upset. Everybody gets depressed. Everybody gets anxious. Everybody gets feel guilty. Everybody has regrets. You know, it's not all they have. But these are the kind of so when we start to really, you know, look at the kind of things we buy into, as somehow defining ourselves. Those are the bits you want to be meet with wisdom. Meet how you define yourself. How you you make yourself small or constricted or trapped. We do it to ourselves. We believe in certain syndromes and programs or health difficulties or mental habits as defining us. And because we don't want to meet them, we want to get rid of them. We don't want to have them. We try to look the other way. We try to pull out of them. But learning to meet them requires faith, and it's just in meeting these that you will become free of them. You know going somewhere else, becoming something, especially meeting what you sense yourself as being, and seeing it's just that. Once you've met it properly, you're no longer caught in it. Notice the points where something says, Oh, you can't, or Oh, give up, or that you know, that kind of resigned gesture in the mind, that kind of sense of You can't do this, you give up, you're not there, you can't make it, you know. <laughs> and how we, we can believe in that? Doesn't, I'm sure that we all can experience that. It's not that you shouldn't experience it. But' a, you can feel the energy of it, and how that when that catches you, something in you, your energy just goes down. The point is not to not have that, but to just stay there present with these particular forms, such as the sense of resignation or failure or whatever it
1: is uh-huh. and just
0: really pause with that, pause and. With the energy of that, just steady your mind, steady your awareness with the energy of that, and you'll find that the energy may shift, but it won't catch you, it'll kind of loosen, softens, and disappears. It's rather like that some of the things we most automatically assume ourselves as defined by. This is what it means to include it all meet what arises and include it all including that one the shadow that says oh I'll do that and you've already followed it yeah. those kind of knee jerk reactions those are the ones you really want to look out for this pause uh-huh. who's that what does it feel like What's happening in your body? What happens if you wait with that? What happens if you just widen and soften and open with that? What happens? Just curious. So naturally this takes discernment, it also takes a kind of persistence, thoroughness. And persistence is not just a kind of a commando-style charge of of energy. It's a thorough, thorough quality of, you know, like a sniffing round, like a terrier looking around, looking under stones, checking out this, checking out that. Keep keep working at it. The little bits that seem insignificant, the, the habits... The habit patterns that we limit ourselves by, the times we go to bed, the times we wake up, the times we uh, what we think our lives are defined by, the ordinary little habits that become not they're not necessarily massive ones or evil ones. Those are the ones that really the the really difficult ones kind of stand out. We also have to be aware of the Of the ones that are just casual, because the hindrances and the defilements that come up in black and red, you know about. It's the ones that come in softly, like fine dust, just softly falling. The getting by, the kind of taken for granted, the another day will do? Yeah. It's the fine dust that over days and years builds up and muddies the brightness of practice. So, for, um, Sometimes I find a really useful reflection uh, that for developing a persistence is the reflection on death. It helps to clear the dust. Says, you know, what if you die tonight? Do you want to die tonight? Sometimes I do, but But no, no, no. It's just a, a way of of saying, you know, where was I going? What was I? What was I imagining my future was about? What was I hanging on to? What was I postponing? What was I? What were the things I was saying? Oh yeah, I'll get around to that. You
1: know.
0: Yeah. What was the, the kind of luggage I was carrying along, thinking, oh well, I'll, yeah, I'll sort that out sometime. I've got to make sure. I've got to do this. I've got to get this done. You know. So that. that or uh, the grudges, the unforgiven bits. So this is useful, because we can sometimes have the sense of, you know, doors of deathless are open, so I'll go through them tomorrow. <laughs> you know, if, if it's all available here and now then, well right here and now I'm a bit busy, but tomorrow's here and now we'll do. Or, or next year, or maybe next lifetime. Yeah, it's, yeah. I'll meditate. I must get around to that. I've heard of. Well, right now I'm busy, and probably by the weekend or next year, you know, I'll be here and now, because <laughs> it's always available. You know, that that sense of uh, well, yes and no, but it's only available if you really if you sharpen up. There is a there is a, a condition to entering that which is you've got to bring forth bring forth the fullness yeah. these are useful things I th- think it keeps it spring cleaning really uh, contemplation of death saying you know, just, just clear, clear the desktop what's important here what's really important in all this how we get lost in the details of the scripts of our lives, of the, you know, bits and pieces. And it's just just to step back and say, what's really, in all of this, what's really important? What really matters to you? It's a good question. Take some time considering it. And it puts, it sort of shakes things down. Well, sometimes it's, 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 you can do it more gently like that. You say, do you want to be doing what you're doing in, um, do you want to be doing this in five years' time, living this way in five years' time? No, no. So why are you doing it now? <laughs> are you doing it now if you only have a week left why are you doing what you're doing now what is it we don't want to face up to we don't want to let go of we want to postpone it's sorrow so you, you, your life is actually something you're continually keeping a check on keeping in touch with keeping responsibility for it's passing it's passing. All we can know about it is there's, there's less of it every day. So, And it may be there's not much left. So you don't want to be just, um, you know, looking at the wallpaper or doodling. I think particularly... Uh, important, you know, when our lives become very full of information and things to get fired up about, you know. What's important for you now? What can you do? You get that right, the rest of it has to, will follow on from there. Persistence, thoroughness. And one of the things that is important is to find a quality of collectedness, one-pointedness. So that you're, you're really with what you're doing. This is what samadhi is about. Samadhi isn't uh, uh, the action of concentration, it's the result of putting things together, of, of clearing, of meeting things correctly, so that things, thoughts, Redundant thoughts fade out, purposeful energies come to the fore, and things gather together. It's more than just the meditation experience, it's actually a kind of a way of life, really becoming more unified in what we're doing, One pointed what's important. What's important in terms of how we are with others? To have been truthful, to have been direct, to have been compassionate. Otherwise don't bother. What's important in what we're doing? Is it uh, providing with our needs, or is it just getting by, you know? What's important? Don't don't bother with stuff that's not important. Because it will always drain you, it will always eat you. And uh, for many people this kind of thing is what happens. They're eaten by the circumstances of their lives, by their houses, by their cars, by their jobs, by their relationships, just eaten up by it. Yeah. And you've always got to remember that when you go, there'll be a kind of plop in the pond, in the water, settles, and you're gone, and the rest of it goes on. <laughs> you know, all the things you were holding together that you thought you, you, know, you had to do, and you disappear, and somebody else will do it. So don't get eaten by these things. Do what you do because it's coming from your own joyfulness, your own love, your own compassion, your own clarity, your own truthfulness. Don't live under under a debt. So, if you live like that, your mind actually will come into unity. This is much more than just trying to ram it into silence at the end of a day. (laughs) On a retreat. (laughs) It's a matter of, of... knowing what's important yeah, because actually all the, the, the if you get your your activities to line up in accordance with what your values are then those values to say truthfulness clarity kindness steadiness whatever it is those kind of qualities that's what's going to be there
1: yeah.
0: and those are those are the factors that give you collected mind, peace of mind your energies are not turning around they're not uh, chewed up they're steadied. Of course in in the middle of all these these five factors we have mindfulness which is the ability to, to bear in mind to sustain attention what we're doing. What's happening? What the results are? What the results of our efforts? What's the results of our restfulness? What's the results of our actions? What's the results of our inactions? Mm-hmm. Sometimes inactions, what's needed? Notice the results. So, for that, you need mindfulness. Bear yourself in mind. So these are the, what are called five Indriya, five leaders of awakening. They, they gather round because what they do, they transform this uh, apparent external realm of sights and sounds and the future and the past and what we should and what we aren't, which is actually all quiet, it's all you know, surface and they transform it into, you start to see all these things emanate in the mind that is how we're touched by sights, sounds thoughts, ideas so you you come back into that sense of how we're affected how we're touched, what pushes us what we're touched by And you become clear about that. Until you are um, no longer held. You can be responsive, but you're not held by sights, sounds, touches, thoughts, opinions, views, and so forth. You transform that from something that seems to be other people out there into something your own mind is responsible for and can deconstruct. And in the deconstruction of that is the descent to the deathless. take